This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Kathy Worthington. Welcome to our latest episode of Late Boomers. Today, we have a special guest with us, Holly K. Meyer. Holly is a best-selling author whose books, Kingston Court, Choosing Hope, and Lost Girl, a Shelby Day novel, have gained international acclaim. She has also written a memoir titled Could Have Been Hollywood and curated the anthology Six Feet Apart in the Time of Corona with her publishing partner, Jessica Terrian, a former journalist and TV anchor at various networks, including CNN in Washington, D.C., and KCOP 9 Los Angeles, Holly is the co-founder of Acorn Publishing, a hybrid publishing company with a growing collective of award-winning authors. Welcome, Holly. Thank you. So happy to be here with you today. Great to have you. Thank you. In your memoir... You describe your rather unorthodox childhood. Would you tell us about it and how it led to the career path you followed in journalism and the one that you are on today? Oh, my gosh. Well, the memoir, by the way, I never ended up publishing. I decided to Ah. keep that private. And (laughs) what I have done is I've actually cannibalized from my memoir and added pieces of it into all of my fiction books. Oh, So it's hiding out in all my novels. Um, I would say, gosh, my childhood has led to my career path in so many different ways. It was so unique that it gave me a lot of material to write about. Um, Yeah, I was also taught how to keep secrets at a young age. And Mm. when you keep secrets, writing can be a really good way to share them without actually telling your secrets. And another thing about my childhood is my father was extremely interested in the news. And we got three different major newspapers wherever we lived. He watched the news every night reverently. And as a child, I remember sitting with him on the couch and watching the news and going through the papers with him and thinking that these were the important people in the world. And I wanted nothing more than to be one of those people that had captured so much of my father's attention. So Mm. it really, it really did lead to where I am now. I get that. That's interesting. Yeah. But um, what about publishing and and writing? How did, how did that type of experience lead to that in that part of your life? So the news was where I was first. I worked in broadcast news and when I had, children right before I had got pregnant, I had decided I wanted to 
do something that wasn't so all-consuming in my life. For me, the news was everything. It meant that, you know, you might need to to move to get into a different market. It, there's, in television news, there's buyouts that happen all the time and they will come in, the new station owner comes in and they pretty much call, call it clean house and everybody gets fired up, meaning you get let go and then you go on and you get a better job somewhere else. And that's part of the process and broadcast news until you really work your way up to the very top. So I didn't want to keep moving around. I also didn't want to get woken up in the middle of the night to go cover some breaking story. So I stepped out of the news business, but it really left a big vacuum for me. It was such a passion of mine and I missed everything about it. And in that vacuum, I started writing just for myself. And that writing turned into my memoir, which I shopped around and got interest in. And unfortunately, the publishers looking at it kept saying, well, we like it, but we want you to change a little. We like it, but could you change it a little more? And it was beginning to feel like a novel rather than a memoir. And I thought, why don't I just shelve it? There's a lot in here that I don't even know that I want to be sharing and try uh-huh. my hand at writing a novel. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. And I love that. that. So much fun. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, that wow. kind of answers sort of my question for you, because you, I want to talk about your books and your characters and mm-hmm. how you go about creating them. And I was curious if your growing up had anything to do with the character traits of your your characters. Yes, very much so. I <laughs> I don't create characters from thin air. Um I've published over 150 books and content edited more books than I can keep track of and as far as I know most authors don't. I have yet to meet an author who created all their characters completely out of thin air. Most of us are basing it on something and for me I'm basing it basing my characters on either myself or people that I know. It just, for me, allows me to create a richer, more complex character on the page. And a lot of times it's not just one person. It's kind of, it's a conglomeration of different people. Or what I will do is I will say, okay, I want my character to be from Oregon and to have this set of parents and this set of life circumstances. And then I'll pick a friend or a person I know well and say, what if they were born into those circumstances? What would they Mm. be like? And so it becomes its own person as the story evolves, but it's starting from a very grounded place. That's interesting. I like that process. I've been told my characters are very believable. So if that is true, I would say that as why. Uh, that's great. <laughs> is there a theme that runs throughout your books that drew you to write them? I, I think most authors, again, they're kind of writing similar themes and issues over and over again with completely different stories because we're all working out our own issues. And yes, when I look back on my stories, none of them were intentional in the themes that emerged, but they all are about women finding their own inner strength, finding their voice, finding direction. And Mm. I think that has very much been the story of my life. Um, 
My father was bipolar. He was addicted to drugs growing up and I had a volatile childhood. And Mm. I think I was, I've always, not always because I feel like I've finally gotten there, but I spent a good portion of my life proving to myself that I was worthy, that I was capable and my main female characters, that seems to be their underlying thrive mm. in life as well. <laughs> well, uh, as a both as a writer and as a publisher, what do you think great storytelling is? What do I think great storytelling is? Gosh, that's such a hard question. I think you know it when you see it. It's there's not a magic formula. Um, if, if I tried to take it down to one tangible thing, I would say it's truth telling. It's mm. going so deep, so granular that your characters and their issues are, what is the word? I just lost the word that I'm looking for. Yeah, if you go granular enough, they become universal. And it's hard Mm -hmm. to go that deep. What is the real truth of anything? And when you write the real truth, and oftentimes fiction is more true than nonfiction. But it's an interesting concept saying that fiction is more true than nonfiction. I love that because I love reading novels and they do feel very real when you're in them. I, I really believe they're more real because when an author sits down and writes something that they're calling true, there's a lot more armor that goes into that. When you dive into fiction, your your real truth can come through because the armor is the characters. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, characters that way you feel, and that way you feel the vulnerability because there's not as much vul- vulnerability. I can't even say it in the nonfiction books. It's you know, harder. All, they're all because they're all shrouded in research. It's it's much harder, yes. And and the very best narrative nonfiction or memoirist are able to pull that off. But mm-hmm. most of us find it a lot easier to be vulnerable when we're telling a fictional fictional story. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like acting. You're you have this character that you're creating that may be part of you, but it isn't so you feel less constrained. Yes. Yes. You have to tap into who you really are in order to act a part. I feel like writing in a lot of ways is probably similar to acting. Whenever I'm writing any of my characters, I need to be inside their head, remembering all of their backstory, who they are, what their traumas are, what their drivers are, and then very much feeling what they would do when presented with a conflict. Because any good book is conflict. It's, it's, you have a mm-hmm. character and you have conflict that you're throwing at them and how are they dealing with this conflict? And so mm-hmm. whether you're writing it or you're acting it out on screen, you've got to feel it. You've got to tap into those emotions and believe that it's happening to you. Is there a I way you analysis. personally do that as far as your process? Do you meditate before? How do you do it? I think a lot before I write. For me, the writing is the easy part. It's when I'm going on walks. It's 
when I'm doing the dishes, when I'm taking a shower, when I'm cleaning the house, when I'm driving, I'm always lost in my head. It's it 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 mm. can be kind of a pain to grow up around, to be married to a writer, to have a writer for your mother or your father, because we're lost in our heads so much. When we actually go to write, I think most of us have done a lot of the work already. It's just, yeah. hopefully on a good day, it's pouring out because it's been processing before you sat down at the keyboard. Super. Yeah. And what led you to establish Acorn Publishing? Oh, that's, that's a great question. So I had a content editing business and my best mm-hmm. friend, Jessica, had been a traditionally published author who had done exceptionally well. And she bought the rights back from her publishing house because she wanted all the control and she wanted to self-publish her own books, but she didn't mm-hmm. want to appear self-published because there was such a stigma attached to this eight years ago. And so she came to me and said, hey, would you take your, you know, Acorn Publishing author services and say that it's also a publishing company so that I can publish under this basically fake imprint and appear as if I'm with a publishing house? And I said, sure, that would be kind of fun. You know, and I hired my graphic designer to create the Acorn logo, which is now our logo. And before she got started, I thought, why don't I use this? kind of once in a lifetime opportunity to do it with her. I already had Kingston Court written. I was getting ready to shop it around. I knew that shopping for a good literary agent takes a lot of time and it doesn't always happen. And even if you get that literary agent, it takes time for them to get a traditional publishing deal if that ever happens. And then even if you land one, you're looking at another 18 months. So I was looking at years and years before my book would come out, if at all, or I could jump in with Jessica and we could combine our resources. I had done publicity for other authors. I had worked in journalism, so I knew that side of things. I knew the PR side. She knew the more technical aspects of publishing. So we decided to do it together as a fun project. I took notes on everything. Jessica is quite a bit younger than me and she's really comfortable with the technology side of it. So when it came to learning how to upload to distributors, how to do formatting, all the things that were required being technologically savvy, I was taking detailed notes as if I was writing a book on publishing for dummies. First you press this button, then you press that button. And I said, okay, now what did you do? And she said, oh, I did this. And I said, okay, but you just missed four steps in between and, oh, okay, she would back up and I would write everything down. So by the time our books were released, I had pages and pages and pages of exactly what we did and how to do it. And Mm -hmm. I asked her if she'd like to try making this into a real company. And she said, okay, well, then we'd have more books next to our books. So then we'd look more legit. You know, it wouldn't just be that I published under this imprint. We could have other books beside us. We practiced on um, a young woman who I content edited for, who also wasn't having any luck getting a publisher. It is so hard to get in with the big five these days. It is just, it's like winning the lottery, your chances Mm -hmm. of it, unless you are a star or you have a major platform. And so this girl who wasn't getting picked up anywhere went and did our program 
self-published under our imprints and her book did really well. She was named Kirkus Reviews Indie Book of the Year. The New York Times Book Festival awarded her the best new indie book. So we thought, oh my gosh, we're on to something. And that is what started this company very, very slowly. uh, You know, we we didn't go in with all the confidence in the world. We know what we're doing. We were very slow about it. And we wanted proof that what we were doing worked before we took next steps. And here we are. And how many titles now? 100, does Acorn 150 have? books later. And Excellent. Yes. And it's, and it's changed Bravo. so much since when we began. It was just the two of us. Now there's 17 other women working with us and established connection with publishing houses overseas and are getting our authors foreign publishing deals. We have connections with literary eight or excuse me, film agents. And so we've um, had two of our books turned into films so far. So it's, it's become oh. so much more than we ever imagined it would be. It's a, it's a bigger dream than we dreamed for ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Well, yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the, what choices authors have in publishing their books and talk Tell us what hybrid publishing is. I don't think too many people really know what that is. So, so the main options today for publish for writers who want to get published are to get with the big five publishing houses. Then there is smaller presses. And the risk with smaller presses is they tend to go out of business. So getting with the big five is the dream. That's what we're all hoping for. But they take about 2% of all the writers out there shopping for a literary agent each year. And you need a literary agent to get in with the big five. Only 2% of the writers will get a good literary agent. And of all those literary agents shopping to the big five each year, only 2% of those are going to get deals. So you're looking at being the 2% of the 2%. And of that rarefied field, most of them are writers with what they call platforms, you know, they're influencers on Instagram or they're Mm. bona fide celebrities or they they're Stephen King. So for those of us out there who are talented writers, there's just this huge vacuum of where do we go if we can't get with the big five? And that leaves the small publishing houses, which tend to go out of business, unfortunately, and self-publishing, which is kind of scary. It's, There's so much Uh that you have to learn and do. All the things that Jessica and I together with all of our combined resources pulled off on our own, plus everything that has changed in the last eight years since then. So it's almost like you've got self-publishing and then you have hybrid, which when we first started, people really had no idea what a hybrid is. And now it is becoming more and more of the accepted way to go. And it's basically, hybrid just means a combination of things. So ideally it is the best of traditional publishing and the best of self-publishing combined. And each mm-hmm. hybrid operates a little differently. That's um, the short well, answer, which is very short. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. So how is high, how is Acorn different from everyone else? What do you offer? Gosh, we're different in a lot of ways. We are different in that we aim to provide the 
author the same experience as if they had been with a traditional publishing house. Mm. We have two Uh tracks. So one of them gives them that experience as if they were with a traditional publishing house. When the book comes out, they're going to get a Barnes and Noble book signing. They're going to go with us to the LA Times Festival of Books. We are going to pitch their books to our overseas partners who publish in you know, foreign language overseas. And then we pitch our books to the movie agents. So they're getting all the opportunities. They're getting the experience. Their books are getting into bookstores. We also offer, which I don't think any other hybrid offers, what we call our indie author experience. And that's more where we're teaching them what we do while we do it for them. And then at the end of the process, they have the ability to upload their files to the distributors on their own so that they're collecting 100% of their profits and keeping all the control. Wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Not the best business model for us, but it is the best business model for writers. And because we are writers first, we make it available to all of our authors. for. Various reasons, very few end up choosing that indie author path because they they just find the idea of uploading it to the distributors daunting. And so most choose to have us handle it all. And then we take a small percentage of their profits, basically to cover the cost, the admin cost of us managing everything for them on their behalf. But they have both options, which is a really beautiful thing, especially for writers who aren't just writing one or two books, who want to make this their career. We're teaching them mm-hmm. to fish, not just fishing for them. Yeah. Great. Oh, that is. And what do you think has surprised you most about being a business owner? That I love it. That's oh. what surprised me most. <laughs> oh. oh, I, I love that answer. Yeah. Never, I, am, I am not a natural alpha. You know, I always thought of a business owner as somebody who was kind of, really heavy handed and was in charge of everything and telling everybody what to do and was up <laughs> late at night worrying about everything. And I mm. never thought I want that kind of responsibility or leadership role. And I have found a way to run my company in a way that feels true to me. It's very, very collaborative. It's almost all female run. I value the women that work with us so much and I'm constantly asking for their input. Okay, this is the way we're doing things. I try to be very transparent. This is the why we do it the way we do it. If you have a better idea, please share it. And if that sounds better, then we'll pivot and try that. So we're always evolving and changing. And I feel like we are Mm -hmm. so strong because we have so many intelligent, kind, thoughtful women working as a team. And I Mm -hmm. actually love my job, which is... Like I said, oh. the biggest surprise. <laughs> oh, oh that's that. a great answer. Is there yeah. a particular genre that Acorn specializes in, or do you welcome all genres? We welcome almost all genres. It's really, we, we're basing it on the quality of the book, the quality of the writing. I try to stay away from mm-hmm. horror because I just don't care for horror. It gives me nightmares <laughs> and, you know, the less I am hands-on <laughs> in all of the process, the more I could put that in somebody else's hands to work on. 
So I'm open to it. We don't take erotica because every book that we publish represents all of our other books. And there are some of our authors that wouldn't feel comfortable beside erotica. So personally, I am fine with erotica, but we don't take erotica and we don't do coffee table books because we did one Mm -hmm. and it was beautiful. And it was three times the work of a regular novel or nonfiction book. So we decided mm-hmm. we're really proud of the one we did and we're not going to do it again. It's just too much mm. work. Oh, fantastic. Mm. And yes. can you talk a little bit about the importance of relationships with independent bookstores and, and international partnerships? Um, two very different things. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's great to have relationships with independent bookstores because then they're more likely to have our books in those bookstores and do author signings and events. And our authors love doing that. That's very much part of the experience for them. In complete transparency, most books are not sold in bookstores these days. So it's really not so important for actual sales numbers. It's just, it's more important for the experience of being a published author. You know, we, we grow up dreaming of doing these book signings and being in these beautiful, cozy bookstores and meeting our readers. And those experiences are lovely and valuable. But when it comes to profits, that's mostly, unfortunately, Amazon. And mm-hmm. you know, to a much, much mm-hmm. smaller extent, the Barnes and Nobles of the world. So yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the reality right now. It kind of breaks your heart, but that's reality, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What about the international partnerships? Those are important because that is how we get our authors' traditional publishing deals overseas. For (laughs) one, it's part of that whole author experience, you know, being able to say that you're with a traditional publishing house. All of our authors were so we're all kind of insecure people. We're looking to feel validated and just getting vetted by a hybrid is a big deal. Getting vetted and selected by an overseas traditional publishing house feels very validating. And seeing your book in another language is exciting and Uh it opens up a whole nother sales avenue. You know, my books that got picked up in Italy, for example, were doing really well there. So I was actually making more money in Italy at a time than I was here. So those are valuable for, for all the reasons. Mm. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. It, to it's see really, your book in other really languages. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's, it would... it's, and it's so exciting. You know, I have them out, but part of my my home decor is my books all stacked up and not just the English language ones, but the ones in other oh, languages. That's so rewarding. And you get to travel. Yes. Yes. That's mm-hmm. not, a, not a bad outcome of that. No, it's not a bad outcome. Well, you don't <laughs> have to travel. Not all of our authors travel to the countries where their books are published. It's not a requirement, but it is a joyful thing to do if you can to go there and do a in-person mm-hmm. book signing. <laughs> Yeah. Well, on but a again, personal note. More, yes. Sorry. Go I was going to say that again, though, is more about the experience than the actual sales. Sales mm-hmm. happen because people see your books online there and or at their bookstores there and they like them. And, and do you do book signings when you go overseas? 
yes, are authors that have chosen to go overseas to the countries where their books are selling have done book signings, but it's not a given. It's a choice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. on a personal note, you have children and I'm amazed at how much you do. How difficult has it been to be a mother and a writer and to run a business? I mean, how do you find the time? Do you just not sleep? <laughs> it is hard. <laughs> and, you know, I, my, I'm one of eight and my mother was a director at a big company. And I always used to ask her when I was a child, how do you do it, mom? And she would say, you do what you have to do. The more you have to do, the more you do. You just, you find the time because you need to. And I found that to be very true in my own life. The busier I am, the more time I'm able to find. And I definitely sleep. I have, I'm a huge fan of sleep. So (laughs) where I cut corners is I don't ever watch television. That takes Uh. up a lot of time. Yeah, it does. Sleep, right. yeah, that's way too important to me. <laughs> yeah. What would you like our audience to have as a takeaway today? Oh my goodness, what a great question. Hmm. Make time for the things that are most important to you. I always mm-hmm. dreamed of being an author. I didn't think I actually would become one. And I became one because... I made the time for it. It's as simple as that. You know, you you look on your planner and you schedule things out and you can make time for anything that you truly value. People tell you you can do whatever you want. I don't necessarily think that's true. I could not become a doctor if I wanted to become a doctor. I'm terrible at science. But the things that I love that I really want and have the capability to do, I absolutely can do if I make time for them. Mm. All about yeah. making the time. It's all, yes. It absolutely is. And that's such great advice. Thank you so much, Holly. Our Thank guest you. today on Late Boomers has been author and publisher Holly K. Meyer. You'll find her books, Lost Girl, Choosing Hope, Kingston Court, and Six Feet Apart in the Time of Corona in bookstores everywhere. And you can reach Holly on her website, Acorn Publishing llc.com and um her hkmeyer k-a-m-m-i-e-r.com and at acorn publishing llc at gmail.com email her thank you so much we want to remind our listeners also to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform and on our YouTube channel, Late Boomers Podcast. We encourage you to follow us on Instagram at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins and at Late Boomers and drop us a line at our website too, lateboomers.biz, B-I-Z. We are grateful to our listeners and viewers around the world and we strive to bring you something of value to inspire, motivate, enlighten, and entertain you. Thank you so much, Holly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. 
you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact.